This is the Life in the Front Office podcast. I want to first thank all of our listeners to making this a success and helping us continue to grow. We bring on sports executives and professionals from around the industry, all different aspects of the industry, to provide insights and advice for those who are trying to enter the sports industry or those who are already in the industry just looking to learn something new and continue to get better. If you like our episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and visit our website at lifeinthefrontoffice.com for more episodes. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and today I've got the pleasure and honor to have DJ Allen on our podcast and on Life in the Front Office. And uh, DJ is a friend who I ran into at Purdue when I was working there, and he gave a, a speech to our athletic department at the time on the X's and O's of success. Really excited to talk to DJ about his career and his story as it's it's really inspiring and unique and uh, I'll let him share about it but uh, DJ welcome to the podcast Jake it's a thrill to be here I really enjoy what uh, what your group's doing and thanks for having me on absolutely so you know as you were explaining that one day in uh, in the basketball arena give us give us and our and our listeners a little bit of background into you know who you are and how you got to where you are now Yeah, well, like a lot of people, you know, I grew up thinking I wanted to work in sports and at a really early age, actually, while I was in college and right after college getting my undergrad, I did. I worked in minor league sports, minor league baseball, minor league hockey, uh, but it was a different lifestyle. And I don't know if I really understood that and and decided to get out of it. And really, um, that hurt a little bit, but I thought I'd never be involved with it again. Uh, ended up getting my MBA and and running a marketing and, and started actually founded a, a marketing PR firm and had some success with that. And while doing that, um, met Lon Kruger, who was the head basketball coach at UNLV and were born and raised in Southern Nevada. And, and so I always got to stay home and, and be in one market, but really working with him and getting more and more involved in college athletics kind of got that, that bug again to be a part of athletics. And we got really involved and, you know, I call myself at one point, I became a, a senior associate, a senior associate athletic di- director at UNLV. And I always call myself the accidental senior associate athletic <laughs> director because, you know, even when I got that job, I didn't know what it was. And I didn't realize until li- years later that, you know, people have to work years and years and maybe go from school to school to school to get to that level. Um, but just working in athletics, there were so many things I loved about it. But there was things about the industry that were really, really tough. And as I looked at what I wanted to do and where my family was, you know, I realized I didn't want to necessarily be in it at that level, at that position. And I, I didn't want to move to another um, place uh, at that time where my family was. So we really, you know, had a passion for leadership development, team building, uh, wrote a book with Lon Kruger, uh, one of the, the, the greatest college basketball coaches, the greatest rebuilder really of all time. And and just about how culture works in teams and how teams work and how the same thing that make teams work in sports are the exact same things that makes teams work in business and in life. And that was really the passion. So six years ago was really able to focus and, and started to, to run X's O's of success for uh, full time. And, and now we work with businesses and we work with a lot of sports 
sports businesses and athletic departments and uh, some, a couple different franchises to really talk about how teams inside business work. And they're the same as how teams win on the court, on the field, on the ice. And it's really been great because we've been able to, to align passions of, of helping other people and, and, and working in business and align those with sports and be involved with sports. But at the same time, selfishly, you know, I was able to do things um, for, for personal reasons that, that maybe if a more traditional um, career path in sports would not have allowed me to do, to, to stay in one market, to be able to, to, to raise the family. Um, so it's been really fun. We love what we do. And I think the best part is meeting so many good people. Well, and, and I, I think back to the day that we met and, and this podcast would not be happening if I did not take the time to wait until everyone left to introduce myself to you, to have a conversation, to follow up, uh, to then continue to have conversations kind of, you know, over time, right, and build a relationship with someone new that I had no idea who you were, what you did, uh, but you just, when you gave the presentation, you're an extremely interesting um, and and brilliant uh, guys, you know, with with passion. And so when you get to meet other people like that, you want to connect with them and you want to, you know, share share best practices and thoughts and, and all that sort of stuff that, that everyone uh, likes to do, you know, day in, day out to try and get better. Um, and I always remember as, as you would send emails back and forth uh, at the, at the very end, every single time you always wrote, be great. Um, yeah. What was behind the be great and, and where does that come from? Well, it's a, it's a challenge. Uh, you know, first off um, you know, we want to define that because there's a lot of good in this world. And there's a lot of, of, of good attorneys. We like to get a lot of good salespeople. There's a lot of good people who are very good at what they do, whether they work in athletics, uh, whether they work in any other type of industry. But great, as we like to find, is, is being great, is being the best at what you can do while making those around you better. And I think that's really missed so much in this world today. We talk to a lot of leaders and a lot of coaches. And if you really look at what makes a great coach, the number one thing that makes a great coach is he or she has to know how to be a great teammate first. And, and we're really lacking great teammates in this world. Uh, my daughter just went to, to college. She's been at college now for a month and a half. And she was always a very good student growing up and involved in a lot of things. But when you look at those college applications or the scholarship applications, never once did it ask, did you make your friends better? What did your friends get on the SAT or the ACT? What was your friend's GPA? You know, we're really raising kids to be me, 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 me. And then you throw in social media and more and more and more. It's me, 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 me. Look at me. And the reality is that can do a lot in academia and it can only get you so far. But you get out into the real world and we need good teammates. We need people who are going to make each other look good, who are willing to make a play for a teammate. So when we say be great, it's just a reminder. You can be very good at what you do. And we know that with athletes. We know that. There are people who are very good at scoring the ball in basketball. There are people who can grab a lot of touchdowns. You know, they can, they can catch 1,400 yard, you know, 1, yards of passes in the season. But they don't make their teammates better. And those star athletes who put up big numbers, who don't make their teammates better, rarely win championships. So be great. Be the best you while making those around you better. And that's the people who win championships, not only in sports,
but in business. Where, where do people typically fall short of being great in that, um, what, you know, over the years of, of working in sports and, and having developed many, many relationships, where do people fall short and, and what's the commonality between those who are truly great outside of making other people better? Well, I think it really starts with, um, you know, you, in sports, we deal with a lot of very competitive people. I mean, you, you, you played ball, you're a competitive person at my nature. Mm-hmm. I'm a competitive person. And so, you know, I was always focused on, on, on me. How can I be better? What's my next position? And I think what's, what's really tough in the industry of sports is we judge each other a lot of times off the logo that's on that shirt. You know, mm-hmm. is this a bigger franchise? Is it a power five school? Is it? And, and, and a lot of times our self-worth comes into that, that logo, you know, and, and, and that's a very dangerous place to be. And I, I, I guess I was either cursed or lucky to see that at a very early age. In fact, when I was 20 years old, I remember going to the winter baseball meetings um, in, in Los Angeles. And at that time, I, I, wasn't, I was doing just an internship with the AAA tr- franchise in Las Vegas. But I remember I had a tag on, on, my, on my lanyard that basically said et- attendee, which basically said job seeker. <laughs> right. and, and I remember right. how I was treated. I mean, I, it, it was like I had the plague. A year later, I was the director of media relations for a AAA franchise. Now, these winter meetings, the major leagues weren't there. So AAA, AAA was the biggest thing there at the convention. And I remember everybody was treating me so special. And in my mind, I remember thinking, nothing's changed. I'm not any better because of my title. And, I, and that just always hit me. And instead of feeling really good about it, I went the other way with it. And, and it really made me understand, you know, a lot of people are just striving and we're, we're judging ourselves. So we're always looking for that next step. And unfortunately, I think it happens in a lot of industries, but really in sports, I think a lot of people have, have you know, misconstrued leadership development with networking. <laughs> leadership development isn't about lining up the next job. Leadership and development is about becoming the best you, being able to make those around you better, owning where you are. But I think it's an industry that because there's a lot of us, we're very competitive in it. We're looking for that next. We're looking for that next. That Sometimes we forget that the same things that we want from our sports teams, we want them to make the extra pass. We want them to be unselfish. We want them to next guy up. We want them to root for each other and pull for each other. We want that on the field. And we're not doing that back in the office all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are very competitive by nature, you know, and I, I tell the story that really what happened to me was my son at three years old was diagnosed with autism and he was, he was my only son. And I was told he wasn't going to play team sports and he wasn't going to do all these things that I had expected for him. I was going to live vicariously through him and through that whole process of really understanding that my only job in life was to make sure he could maximize his potential, potential, you know, and that, and not compare him, you know, comparison is the thief of joy, you know, not compare him. I began to understand I had a problem with envy and I always looked at it as being very competitive, but no, I had a problem with envy and envy is, is, is Aristotle calls it is the pain one feels because of the good fortune of others. The pain one feels because of the good fortune of others. And it had run my life for 30 years. And I had to confront that. And, and not only did I begin to understand, I, 
I could, I had to fight envy. I began to understand that for me to be the best me, I had to actually root for other people. And a crazy thing happened, you know, as I'm going through this evolution and, and this, this experience with our son, which has such a great ending to the story. And I have a great mentor like Long Kruger around me where I begin to understand there's people who, when you root for other people, people become a fan of you mm-hmm. and they can help you be better. But don't just root for them. Don't just root for them because they'll root for you because a lot of people are still struggling with other things. And it changed my life. And, and it was a hard change. It took years. And unfortunately, you know, it's something as drastic as a, as a, a developmental disorder with my son that made me realize I, I can't compare myself. Not only can I compare my son, I can't compare myself. And once I began to really understand, I can't compare myself to others, just be the best me. And oh, by the way, everyone's struggling with something. Shouldn't we root for everyone around us to be the best them? My life began to change. And, and people around me began to root for me and all these, this fake success that I may have had, titles or whatever it was, wasn't fake anymore. And I began to do things I love to do. And, and, and you get like-minded people like yourself and so many others, not only in this industry, but so many industries. And, and once we can get over that, I think that it, it, we don't talk about envy. We don't talk about it. And, and it's, it's, it is studied that a lot of high achievers, a lot of competitive people, that's what we deal with. And, and I think that runs rampant in a lot of these very competitive industries. And those who deal with that, it, it's hard for us to really be great because we're so concentrated on, on looking good ourselves. We're more worried about getting recognition than we are getting results and helping teams get results. Sure. Well, no, it's a great perspective to have. And I, and I think it's one that, you know, sometimes people take to heart, right, when you, when you tell that to them. And then the next day they go right back to the envy or they go, you know, maybe maybe it sets in for like a week. But then the next week they're right back to how they you know used to be. Do you see that often? And, and if so, you know, how do you get people to constantly think of of the perspective you just gave and and to continue to think about um, how they can help other people, you know, day in, day out, and, and not um, revert back to maybe what they're used to. Well, definitely see it. I mean, I, I, I like to tell a story that once I realized that, that I'd like to tell you I was a recovering hater overnight. <laughs> it, it, it took a while. I mean, but if you look at, you know, the Navy SEAL creed, we like to talk about that. Part of their creed is um, – you know, the ability to control my emotions and actions sets me apart from other men. I mean, think about that. The ability to control my emotions and actions sets me apart. And the number one thing is we have to begin to confront that we have these emotions. And, and, and number one, you know, sometimes it's hard to control emotions. In fact, there's research that argues both ways if you can actually control your emotions. But we do know you can control your actions. And that's the first thing that we start on. Is, is can we control our actions based off those feelings? I may be feeling envy. I may be feeling jealousy. I may be feeling these things, but that doesn't need to dictate my actions. And that's what we start against. And the answer is absolutely yes. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I, I, I never feel envy. You know, I'm wired naturally to be envious. Right. So it's been years that I now work on that. I understand the feeling and I work against it. And it's been great because over a while you do see those emotions change. But it's a choice that people make. And, and every day, that's all we're making is choices. So absolutely, Jake, people hear it and we can feel good about it. 
Uh, but but number one, we, we say, okay, focus on the actions. Do the actions, you know, they do they speak to team? Do they speak to team? And then the other is really understanding, you know, what great leaders, you know, it, it, it's not about being better than everyone else. It's about making those around you better. Like that's what a leader is. And, and again, leadership development, I, along the way, it's become so focused on the person. It's almost performance development. You know, be the better you, which is critical. Be the best you. And there's so, but there's so much training that goes into that. But I think we've mixed up understanding. We believe like a great performer is a leader. Now, a leader is a coach. You think about the coaches right now who we say are the best. Who are the best coaches? You know, whether it's Belichick or Saban or, or Dabo or whoever they are. Dabo's not out there scoring touchdowns for Clemson. Right. That's not his job. His job isn't to score. His job is to make those around him better. And that's what leaders do. And it's a different mindset. Usually people who get into quote unquote leadership positions, first off, that doesn't make them a leader, but they get there because they were a very good producer. So in sports terms, they were a very good player. Well, it's been proven time and time again. A lot of times the greatest players in a certain sport, they aren't good coaches. Just because you could be a great performer doesn't mean you make those around you better. So, so if, it's you try, if you try and self-assess, right, mm-hmm. how, how do you know if you're a good leader? How do you know if you are, quite frankly, should just be a good producer and be a great producer and not become a leader? Well, candidly, the teammates are going to be the ones who are going to tell you that. You know, it, 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 we have to get people around us. You know, we talk about the power of vulnerability. You know, Dr. Brene Brown, uh, probably the foremost um, research authority when it comes to vulnerability in the United States. She, she talks about the power of vulnerability and, and, and we have to be vulnerable enough to have real feedback from people because we can't really decide if we're that leader. You know, we have to see it from our teammates. Will they follow us? That's what makes a leader is will they actually follow you? So we have to have relationships with people and, and be vulnerable enough with people. And that's a tough thing to be in, in a lot of different industries. And sports is one of them. You know, we do a lot of work in construction. We do a lot of work in, in law enforcement where vulnerability, that's not something that, that we teach to be very uh, uh, productive when it's actually the most powerful thing that we can be is being vulnerable because when we're vulnerable, we build trust with those around us. So, as we talk about, okay, am I a leader? Yeah, there is self-assessment, obviously, that we need to look at. We have to look at our motives. You know, are our motives truly to root for those around us? And only we know that. So if our motives, self-assessment, am I truly, do I want the people around me to be successful? Not just because that's going to make me look good, but that's going to happen in the long run. But do I truly want to root for them to be to be good? Do I truly want to root for them in their life, even if that means they might be better than me? So once we can get to that point, that's special. But we have to be vulnerable and get feedback from people around us. Do I make you better? How am I as a teammate? And, and you know, it's only getting that real feedback that we can become better and better. And when you talk about the feedback, you know, some people, quite frankly, don't like confrontation, right? They don't yep. like to maybe receive the feedback if it's, if it's not positive. Um, how do you recommend to those who you work with in asking about the feedback? Because it's one thing to get the feedback, but it's another to ask for the feedback, right? right. 
right? We, we have um, some processes where we do, and we do small team, uh, small team scouting sessions. And what we actually do to help with that is, is we take a small group of people who work together. Usually it's a leadership group. Um, a lot of companies, you know, and from the five dysfunctions of the team, they refer to it as the first team. So you have the, 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 the leader and, and her group around her, his group around him, that are like the key leaders in the group. Um, and what we do is, is we have a, a self-scout. You know, who are you as a teammate or as a leader? What should you do more of? What should you do less of? Very simple stuff, right? And sometimes we try to make this more complicated than it should be. And while we have you do a self-assessment, you're actually outside the room and we're facilitating your team scouting you in those same questions. And so it's a, it, it, it shows the vulnerability that you're going to scout yourself. So when you're trying to, to get the feedback from others, you have to show them that, hey, I, here's my feedback on who I think I am. And that's what gets missed a lot is a lot of times when people ask for feedback, and you're right, people don't like to give it. Um, uh, if we start by having ourselves give some feedback, give some critical feedback, give and positive feedback to be very real to say, hey, here's what my strengths are. Here's what my weaknesses are. And what we find is the people who are very good at this and very self-aware and most involved are it aligns with what their teammates think. You know, maybe 10 percent of the time you have the people who just do not have great self-awareness. So what we have found, Jake, is that most of the time the teammates and the individuals themselves view each other close to the same, but they rarely talk about it. So when we don't talk about what our weaknesses might be, what we don't talk about, what might be frustrating our teammates, what ends up happening is resentment builds. And resentment's the silent assassin in life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, resentment every day crushes teams in business. It crushes teams in sports. It crushes relationships. When we don't talk, about the issues that are at hand. So what we have to be able to do is, again, there's that word, be vulnerable enough to, to give honest feedback of ourselves that helps those around us to feel comfortable to give us that feedback. And then it's usually really surprising because a lot of times they match up. Now, sometimes they don't, and that's great. And then we can work on it ourselves. But it all comes down to just, just being that first one to, to show that it's okay to give that feedback, but you're right. It's hard. And, and, and candidly, you know, that's a reason a lot of people have us come into organizations because we're able to create an environment where people do that. The things that we're talking about are not easy at all. They're high emotional intelligence. Um, mm -hmm. But the great leaders who have that great uh, emotional intelligence, they're able to build trust through vulnerability. And we always say, trust, communicate, collaborate, trust, communicate, collaborate. That is the winning team formula. You think about it in sports, you've got the best game plan in the world. But if your team does not trust, communicate, and collaborate, the game plan does not matter. In business, you have the greatest business plan in the world. But if that group of people do not trust, communicate, and collaborate, it doesn't matter. And trusting, again, starts through small moments of vulnerability. That's great. Now, and in... In terms of how sports relate to business, right, there's so many overlaps There's so many instances in which, you know, you think about how many people use sports metaphors in the business world. It's like sports is almost their second language, yeah. right? Uh, uh, it's almost a, it's a foreign language, but it's not foreign. And 
when you think about how many people try and relate to it in that sense, uh, there's so many lessons we can take from the games, right? You've been around the game forever. Uh, you've been around coaches uh, in, in all different shapes and sizes. And as you think about success, right, we, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into the X's and O's of success and kind of where, uh, where you see uh, people either strive for success and fall short or they strive for, for success and succeed. What are the two biggest differences between those two types of people? And then the second part of this question is going to be, how do those people differ in different industries? Well, the number one, and we teach it as much as, as simple as it is. And again, we try to make this really hard a lot. It all starts with attitude. You know, it, it's funny. You tell seven and eight-year-olds in Little League or, or basketball game, you tell, you, you tell them as a coach, hey, you get to choose, choose your attitude and your effort. Right? And a seven and eight-year-old right. basketball players, they go, yeah. And then you could tell them that when they're 13. And you could tell them that in high school. And even college kids have heard coaches say that. At some point, anybody who's played sports or as coaches probably heard that. Mm-hmm. But why do we stop saying that to kids or, or once kids aren't playing sports anymore? Like every day you wake up, Jake, and you get to choose your attitude and your effort. Every day. It doesn't matter how many emails you have. It doesn't matter what deadline you're on. It doesn't matter who cut you off going to work. You get to choose your attitude and you get to choose your effort. And when you look at the greatest teams and we do a a really fun exercise with groups where we talk about people's favorite teams, you know, and, and, and people talk about favorite sports teams of all time. You know, I talk about the 88 Dodgers and, and how they were one of the biggest underdogs to win the World Series, and that's Gibson's famous home run. So I kind of set the tone saying, why, that's my favorite team of all time. And people talk about the Miracle on Ice team. People will talk about the Steelers, you know, from the 70s, or people might talk about the Spurs or the Patriots. But everybody talks about their favorite teams. We ask them why. Why is that your favorite team? And here in Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights, their inaugural year, they go to the Stanley Cup Finals coming off with a team that called themselves the Misfits, a group of, of young men who were basically the other teams turned their backs on them for the, fran- for the expansion franchise. And that team almost won a Stanley Cup. Why? Because they, they played like underdogs. Because they suppressed their egos. Because they made one another better. They played for something that was bigger than them. All these traits that we love about our teams. Like everybody right now listening has a favorite team. That Oh, we love that team because they did this or they did that. Well, if you look at all those traits and, and what we do in our, our exercises, we talk about a few teams and then we put all those traits on the board that people love. At least 80% of those traits are always attitude-based. That's why the most talented teams in sports don't always win because you could have all the talent in the world, but if a team doesn't play hard and it doesn't play together, it doesn't matter. A team has to play together and play hard. And it's the same in business. You can have all the talent on paper, but if that talent isn't going to play together, it's not going to play hard. It is hard to win. And it starts with that attitude as simple as it is. It starts with attitude and it starts with effort. And again, we say that to eight, seven and eight year olds, right? (laughs) Right. The reality is, you know, we're 40 years old going to work. It starts with attitude and effort. 
and 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 most of the time the seven and eight year olds are like yeah absolutely right like, they, they don't even know what we mean by that right, right? i mean at that point yep. um but then you know if you said that to uh to someone you work with right now they probably look at you and be like wow why are you telling me that right, right? It's, it's almost like I'm, I'm i'm too old for that and 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 we kind of program ourselves i have a buddy of mine who's a great creative mind and he he's an artist and he talks about you know, think back to when you're in preschool and kindergarten and first grade, almost every kid's favorite subject is art. It was mine and I was terrible, but I didn't know it. And it's almost like it gets beaten out of you. Well, you're not an artist. You're not an artist. Well, you can't get excited about that. Don't be creative. We kind of do that. We beat the excitement out of us. Sometimes you got to be excited. Uh, one of our favorite uh, people to work here with locally. And we mentioned the Vegas Golden Knights is Kerry Boobles. The, the president of the Golden Knights, and he was the president of uh, the business operations of the Cleveland Cavs and Quicken Loans Arena before he moved out to Vegas. And, and he talks about how ah, you just got to have fun, you know, and, and his attitude. He is just and it's a choice, though. That's what I think people forget is, you know, those people in your life who just make you feel good. They mm-hmm. give you energy. They're always on. Right. And everybody listening right now. Think about that person. Right. Well, I think we don't give those people enough credit. I think we think it comes 100% naturally to her or to him. No, it's a choice for them to do it every day. It's a choice for them to be on. It's a choice for them to want to make those around them better. It's a choice to have a great attitude. And that's it. We're in charge. We can choose to have that great attitude. Well, and, and as you talk about choices, right, let's, let's talk about some career choices. Okay, so as, as you move up uh, – you know, along the ranks, you get to that title, you get to that logo. And then, you know, you made a choice to go completely entrepreneurial, write a book, do something completely different. And quite frankly, some people wouldn't take the risk, right? It's almost like, like I, I don't know what's, I don't know what's on the other side. It could be great or it could be a complete failure, but, I, but I'm comfortable with where I'm at. Right. Uh, so a lot of people make the, the, the comfortable choice. And I know you talk about uh, all the time, being uncomfortable or being comfortable, being uncomfortable, whatever this, you know, <laughs> saying it. is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's something like that, but, but getting out of your shell, right. And, right. And, and making those decisions, making those choices, sometimes not knowing what's on the other end. Right. No, you know, when you talk about being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And the first time I ever went through a leadership program myself, I'm 25, 26 years old. And I'm struggling with all my envy problems. Of course, I don't tell that to anybody else. And on paper, I look right. really good and I'm involved with my church and I'm involved coaching Little League and Salvation Army and Boys and Girls Clubs. and I'm running my own company and I'm, I'm involved with the Chamber of Commerce, involved in politics and just on paper, I look good. Um, but internally, I'm struggling with all these things. And, and, and Dr. Rick Coley, he was the first, first person I ever facilitated the first leadership program I went with. I remember him saying, become, become comfortable being uncomfortable. And, and, and you think about that, too, because that's the only way you get stronger. Think about that as an athlete, right? When you're working out, if we have an athlete go out and he's with the, the strength and conditioning coach and, and he's out for two minutes on the track, and then we say, okay, go shower up, you're done, he's not getting stronger. Mm-hmm. The way you get stronger physically, the way you get better as a team is when it hurts, right? You got to get tired. You got to become uncomfortable to grow physically. And we get that. It's the same mentally. 
The only time we grow is when we become uncomfortable. So so to adopt that and, and to understand, you know, there really is no perfect time. I mean, so many of us, when we're growing up, I think, you know, if, if, if those listening are like me, I remember growing up, well, when I graduate college, I'm going to be this person. And then I get there and I'm like, I still feel like the same, you know, 12 year old kid. <laughs> right. It, or, or when yeah. I'm married, you know, I'm going to be this person and it'll be that perfect time to get married. There'll be the perfect time to change jobs. There'll be the perfect time. There's never a perfect time. And a lot of people, you're right. They sit around waiting for the perfect time. And there's just mm-hmm. not. And, and so many of us, I know, you know, one of my, my challenges, and I had to break free again with the envy, because when you have envy, what I struggled with is what do people think about me? Now, maybe I wasn't as happy in a job or in a position, but the title looked good. And, oh, well, I want people to think I'm important. So I became, I was, there was a couple of times in my life where I was miserable in the position I was in, but it looked good on the outside. And I was lying to myself. And ultimately, I had to understand, I can't chase other people's dreams for me. I have to chase my own dreams. And my dreams, I love going in and, and working with groups of people and helping them to come together, working with individual leaders. Just had a couple coaching sessions today where leadership is very lonely. And I love these individuals and seeing them grow. And I love what I do. And, you know, it may not be impressive to people on the outside as when, Maybe I work directly in sports and they could put a title on me and they could say, oh, see him on the court, on the field. I know him. They liked mm-hmm. that. But that wasn't what I wanted. And that was hard for me. Again, someone who struggled with envy, who worried so much about what other people thought about me, that I was chasing other people's dreams for me, not my dreams for me. And once I began, you know, hey, let's be uncomfortable. My personally, you know, my, my scoreboard is peace of mind. My scoreboard is sleeping at night and I don't wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning anymore, sweating everything that I didn't do or what, what's he going to think about this? What, and I'm not really enjoying what I'm doing. That was the scoreboard and no one else can keep score for us in our hearts. But again, I don't know, you know, if people struggle with what I did, but I was so worried about what I looked like to the outside that I allowed myself for many years to be miserable to try to impress other people versus being happy. How do you, and, and in that respect, I got, I got this point and one more as we wrap up the episode. How do you get to the point where you almost mentally and, and internally don't care about what other people think? You, you care, right? Because oh. you, you do have a reputation and an image and, and you want it to be a high standard. But at the same very time, you don't care at all. Uh, you know what? And I think a lot of that is when, you know, you think about the greatest coaches. You know, I think about Lon Kruger, again, who is very much a mentor, um, in some ways a father figure at a very important time in my life. And there's no one more kind and caring than Lon Kruger is now the head coach at Oklahoma. And, and I met him when he was here at UNLV. There's no one more kind and caring, and he cares about other people. He's the, he's the chairman of Coaches Versus Cancer. I mean, the amount of things that he does when no one's looking for other people is unreal. And I'm not just talking about for a college basketball coach. I'm talking about for a person. But, the, but to be in that position and care for others, but at the same time what you learned is when you're in any positions at all and you care too much about the judgment of others, it'll crush you. 
And, and I saw good people like him. And you'd see it with a lot of athletes and coaches because they get judged on everything. And that's why mm-hmm. we have mental health issues today with student athletes. That's not really being talked about is, is how social media is playing a role in that. But they're getting judged by everybody. And now with social media, they're hearing it all the time. That's, that's another podcast for another day. That's a, that's a series of podcasts. We, but, we will have you on a second <laughs> time to talk about that. Right? I promise you that. Right. Yeah. But, but you're right. And I had to see from others. And you really have to see these, these people model it. Don't stop caring for people. But we have, to, we have to understand that judgment of others can't be so important to us. And I almost slipped because a lot of times you might hear people, Jake, and I heard it for a long time, people who kind of wear that badge of honor and say, I don't care what people think about me. Right. We hear a lot of people mm-hmm. say that. Well, a lot of times yep. the uns, unsaid is also, and I don't care about other people. And, and that's a slippery place to go. And I think when I was trying to go through my, my maturation of saying, I'm not going to care so much about the judgment of others. I almost slipped to that person and I'm not going to care about others. But fortunately I had people in my life who were able to model, listen, we have to care about other people, especially if we want to lead other people, but we mm-hmm. have to be strong enough to not care too much about the judgment of others. You know, it, it is hard to do. And, and, and we can really see in our world today from sports and for people in high profile jobs, how it's impacting them mentally. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it's one of those things that um, it's, it's almost hard to recognize right, internally. Like someone almost has oh, to tell you, it, right? You know what? Yes. I, it, but I think though, Jake, you know, the hardest person in the world to be honest with sometimes is ourself. Right. And, you know, again, where I was coming from, and I think where a lot of people are, you know, sports, God, it feels good. You know, people, people like that job. People like to know, hey, I know him. That's what he's doing. And, and so it feels really, really good. And there's a lot of, a lot of you know, highs that are involved with game day and, and, and being involved with it. But we know it could be a grind as well, you know, and to have that personal balance. Um, the people on the outside are telling us how great everything is. And that's not just working in sports. That's in life in general. But on the inside, if we're not happy, we're in trouble. And that's why it's very important as you do talk about self-assessments. Um, yeah, if we're talking about, hey, are we a good leader? Are we helping other people out? We got to get the self-assessments from the outside or the assessments from the outside. But at the end of the day, if you're not happy, no one else can tell you that. Because what high achievers are very good at, let me tell you, the sports industry is full of high achievers. It's full of them. Because if you can maintain in the sports industry, chances are you're a high achiever. What high achievers are very good at doing is acting like they're happy. <laughs> we, no, we act like we're happy. We act like we're successful. But if we're not really happy, the only people who know that's us. So if we're waiting for someone to come to us and say, Hey, you're not happy. Let's make a change, do something for you. Not so you look, no one's ever going to do it because we're very good at leading a life that we're happy. No, absolutely. And, and when you, when you talk about, you know, being happy, not happy, switching jobs, making career choices, it all funnels down to a process, right? It funnels down to a process that you follow, and try and stick to on a daily basis. I know we've talked about this before, but um, for our listeners, as, as we wrap up the episode, what is a, uh, a small checklist that you can kind of go through, whether that's every day, every week, every month, of the things that you ought to keep yourself in line and ch- you know, in check 
to make sure you kind of stay true to who you are. Well, 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 you know, so much is gut. And, and I mean, as simple as it is, and we, we talk about this with leaders all the time, like what keeps you up at night? Like when a leader is sleeping well, when any individual is sleeping well, life's going pretty well. I mean, it, 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 we've kind of used that as a cliche. Hey, I'm sleeping, I'm sleeping well at night. But because we know the things going through our heads, and I, I, want, I want to make sure to understand something too as I'm saying all these things is that everyone has their own what's in it for them. Yeah, maybe people sitting here going, hey, I'm going to move to the next job, to the next job, to the next job. And if that's what you want, that that's what your passion is, do it. And other people may criticize that. Like, don't worry about that. If that's what you want, if that's what your heart and your passion is, do it. But it's, it comes down to I think, people really understanding what they want, what he wants, what she wants. And, and, but so many of us, I think, in, in talking you now years now, coaching with people, you know, we, we, a lot of times, you know, we aren't truthful to ourselves because what it looks like on the outside to others. You know, I, I remember um, a, a great lesson, Stacy Ogman, you know, a longtime NBA player by UNLV, great. And he came back to UNLV. He was coaching. And his first year back, I remember being told, Stacy doesn't want to do interviews. Stacy doesn't want to do any, any in-game stuff. And he doesn't want to do the short videos. Okay, so you hear that for months. So you begin to think, well, Stacy might not be that good at it. Well, we had one big project where we needed someone the fans love. So we take Stacy down to the court, and I'm with them. First take, nails it. Always put that second take down, right? Nails it. He was phenomenal. And I remember walking up the, the tunnel with him back up to the offices. It's just me and him. And I stopped. I said, okay, Stacy, I got to be honest with you. I've been told you don't like to do this. So I was, I, I was shocked. I, I thought you'd be terrible at this. And I remember saying, hey, DJ, just because you don't like something doesn't mean you're not good at it. <laughs> and that helped me because I think there's a lot of people who don't like what they're doing, but they're good at it. And so just because they're good at it, they stay right. in it. And I was doing and he was talking to me. And I was good at it, but I didn't like it. That doesn't mean I have to do it then. And it was really interesting. Um, so so it's it's gut. I mean, as as you know, so many of us want this process. We want this silver bullet. We want someone like that's the hardest thing is no one can tell us if we're happy. You know, one of the hardest things, and I know we need to wrap up, is the, the definition of, of um, happiness is the feeling of contentment. And, Jake, we've made contentment a bad word for high achievers mm -hmm. because we've confused contentment with complacency. Like, we have to find moments of contentment. It's like work is like a workout. Like, work your, work your rear off all day long. And then come home and rest and relax. Like we can't work out 24 hours a day. Athletes can't work out 24 hours a day. They have to recover and recoup. It's the same with work. So bust your rear, get a great workout in at work, and then come home and allow yourself to be content. But we've just, we, we've, we've, we've made contentment a bad word. But if we've made contentment a bad word, we've made happiness a bad word. That's so interesting. Well, and I think, honestly, let's leave our listeners to just kind of think about that one. I, I know that's a, it's a pondering thought that a lot can just kind of 
dwell on and, and see where their mind takes them. But DJ, it's, it's been a real pleasure to have you on Life in the Front Office podcast and, and to hear your experiences and, and wisdom uh, throughout all that you've learned through your career thus far. Really excited to, uh, as John McDonough said in, in one of our episodes earlier this year, he said, uh, the, the best thing in my career hasn't happened to me yet. And I, uh, I, oh, I, I am... I'm certain that that's the case with you too. So excited to see kind of where you go and and uh, what's next for you. Um, but where can where can people find your book? Where can they find you on social media? I know you you share all sorts of great uh, insights all the time, right? I do. Uh, you know what? That's one thing. I'm not as active on social media, and that's been some of our studies in recent years. Uh, but I am at Twitter at, at d underscore j underscore allen. Um, X-S-O-S of success.com. So that's like X's O's in sports. X-S-O-S of, of success.com is our website. Um, yeah. And, and if, if my email's on there, anybody wants to reach out uh, directly to me, I'd love to talk to anybody. And, you know, the big time's where you are. You know, so we just got to own where absolutely. we are. DJ, thank you. And absolutely we'll have you on again here in the near future. And appreciate you, and uh, be be great. Hey, be great. I love it. Hey, you and everybody listening, I'm rooting for you, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> awesome. I want to take the time to thank you for listening to Life in the Front Office. And if you liked our episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We greatly appreciate it. And for more episodes, visit us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website at lifeinthefrontoffice.com. And please continue to share uh, with your colleagues on social media and help us continue to grow. Thanks.